Don't you just love that music? Isn't that good? Hey, let's give it up one more time for Brett. <clears throat> it's very cool. You and I is a special campus when you think about a, a cross-country and track team where a coach is praying for you and with you. Uh, you guys, some years down the road, might realize what a special place this is. Um, and runners are weird, aren't they? Like, they run for enjoyment. <laughs> I have become a runner over the years. I didn't understand it a long time ago, but that's good. Okay, uh, first thing we need to clarify, we need to figure out who did 11 better, me or Sarah. What do you guys think? Oh, Sarah, she did have the wig. So, Sarah, good job. <laughs> good. All right, so we are starting a brand new series. It's a brand new year. Really excited to be back on campus. I hope you guys had a good Christmas break. Um, I took a couple of weeks off and spent it with my family. We did a lot of winter activities, sledding, ice skating, ice fishing, pretty much anything with snow and ice. We played a lot of board games too, watched a little football, probably a little too much football. But I want to give you one glimpse of my Christmas break because I want to start the night off with some joy. So go ahead and roll that video, Andy. Okay, ready, set, go. Ready? Set, go. Isn't that great? I mean, if you don't learn anything, which I hope isn't the case, you can at least walk away with some joy. Uh, that's my youngest son, Isaac. He's three. And he's over there, I think. Yeah. Say hi, Isaac. <laughs> uh, my name's Carter Moore. I'm on staff at Orchard Hill Church. And uh, my wife, Jody, is over there as well. I have four kids. And uh, it's just a pleasure to be here with you guys. This is my job. I get to do, do this for a living. And uh, it's an amazing, amazing deal. So let's get started. Um, I'm going to invite the hospitality team to come up right now. Uh, and they are going to hand out some Bibles. So if you came tonight and didn't bring a Bible, just raise your hand. That's okay if you didn't bring one. Uh, but we're going to read from the Bible tonight. So don't be shy. Just raise your hand and then everyone else will if they didn't bring one. There you go. Raise them high so they can come down and give you a Bible. We should have plenty of them. And I want to tell you a little bit about why we're handing out Bibles. It seems like, kind of like Stranger Things, it seems like a 1990s thing to do, right? But here's why. Uh, there's a few reasons. One, we believe that when you open the Bible, you can encounter Jesus. So that's number one. Number two, we want to help teach and train you to engage the Bible, to actually physically open it up, learn where things are, learn how to read it, learn how to interpret it, ask how can this be applied to my life. That's another important thing. And the other thing, uh, the reason we don't put it on the, on the screen, on PowerPoint anymore, say you guys are having a, a tough Friday night and you're going through um, something hard and you can remember back to a teaching or something you heard at basic, we want you to go to God first, not a person, okay? We want you to look in your Bible and see what the Bible has to say about a situation before you rely on man's knowledge. 
okay? I don't want you to email me and say, hey, Carter, can you send me your PowerPoint from three weeks ago? I'm struggling with this. We want you to go to God's Word. So that's why we're in the Bible. Now, we realize that the Bible is full of some strange things. So for the next four weeks, that's where we're doing this series. We're obviously stealing it from Netflix, but we're going to apply it to the Bible. If you've ever read the Bible or um, heard stories from the Bible, it can be kind of weird and challenging. There's some weird stuff going on. So for the next four weeks, we're going to kind of look at some of those areas that are strange um, and help you try to figure out how that could apply to your life. Sound good? Okay. Uh, We're going to focus this first week on the Spirit of God. Uh, So if you've grown up in church or heard it all, the the idea of the Trinity, uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So tonight we're going to focus on the Spirit of God. We're going to read out of Matthew chapter 4. So if you want to open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, Matthew's the first gospel, the first eyewitness account of Jesus' life in the New Testament. It's towards the back of your Bible. And we're going to read 11 verses, which is full of just some really strange stuff. I'm going to read through the passage once, and then we're going to kind of talk about it verse by verse. Uh, Let's pray first, though, if that's okay. Father, thank you for every soul that is in this room. We invite your spirit to move in a powerful way in their hearts and in their minds tonight. We expect your spirit to do that. I ask that you speak through me. We boldly ask this in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. All right, so Matthew chapter 4, let's do this. Uh, Starting in verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. All right, let's go back to verse 1. And on the screen, I'm going to put a few things that I pulled out of this as I've been studying it over the last couple of months. Six things that I want you to pay attention to. You can write them down in your Bible. Take a picture when we're done, uh, write them in your journal, whatever you want to do. But these are six things that I think you should pay attention to in these 11 verses. And we're going to start with number one. The Spirit of God is active. Okay? It moves 
and leads Jesus and us. So right away here in verse 1, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. The Spirit led Jesus into the desert to be tempted by the devil. That's strange, isn't it? Like right there, that's just weird. So the Spirit of God is active. There's a song that's kind of famous in Christian circles. Some of you guys were just down in Atlanta for a conference called Passion. And there was, what, 55,000 people singing in a dome. Uh, and the song is called Oceans. There's a line in the song that says, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Okay? The Spirit led Jesus to a place that most of us wouldn't go. Jesus kind of had the kind of trust that led him to that place. Uh, number two, point number two, Jesus faced temptation. This is really important. Uh, one of my favorite parts of the Bible is verse two. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. <laughs> it's like the biggest understatement in the Bible. I don't know if you've ever fasted for any reason, whether it was a spiritual fast or you had to have a procedure done where you couldn't eat and only drink that Smurf juice or whatever. But after 12 or 24 hours, when I fast, carrots and celery sound like Cheetos and chicken fries. You know what I mean? 40 days. He didn't eat for 40 days. He was hungry. <laughs> Just so simple. Okay? Well, of course he was hungry. So Satan comes and says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Knowing Jesus is the son of God, and he could actually turn stones into bread, he, he tempts him with that. Bread probably sounded pretty darn amazing. I'm a carb guy, so even when it's been a few hours, bread sounds pretty good. <laughs> so the tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So why did Jesus have to face temptation? So he could relate to us, and so we could relate to him. Okay? God puts on flesh and experiences our temptations, the same suffering that we go through, so that we can relate to him. We don't have a God that's far off. We have a God who's walked in our shoes. And personally, I want to follow people who have walked a mile in my shoes. And the other reason he did it was because he had to. Okay? He had to. Jesus had to be tempted he had to say no because he had to be without sin. In order for God's plan to be fulfilled, Jesus had to live a life without sin. The only way Jesus could go to the cross and die for your sin and my sin is if he was without sin. So this was part of God's plan all along. Uh, number three point, that's also in verse three. The devil does the tempting, not God. The devil does the tempting. Now, the Spirit may lead us to a place that we don't understand, don't get, that's hard, like a desert. But it's not God who does the tempting. It's, it's the devil. Now, what the Spirit does do is it gives us an opportunity to say no. If you uh, go ahead in your Bible and look in Galatians, you don't have to do it right now, but if you want to write it down, Galatians chapter 5. Verses 22 and 23 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. That's kind of a, a Christian phrase. But when you believe in Jesus and the Spirit of God is in your heart, the Spirit gives you these fruits. One of those fruits is self-control. So the Spirit gives you an opportunity to say no to temptation. Gives you a way out. 
Uh, it's important to remember, though, that it's not you. It's God's power in us. It's not your own self-will that you can say no to temptation. Point number four, and this is uh, in verse four here. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus combats Satan with scripture. So three times Jesus responds to Satan and says, it is written. So it seems pretty important to Jesus, the son of God, to know and use scripture to combat Satan. I would think if we want to follow Jesus in this tough world, that we might want to do the same thing. So pay attention to that. Jesus combats Satan with scripture. Verses 5 and 6. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Point five, Satan manipulates scripture. Okay, even, even Satan uses scripture. Uh, if you look at that, that text that Satan use, uses, it's from uh, Psalm chapter 91. If you go back and read it, he leaves a part out. Okay, so Satan pulls scripture out of context, he manipulates it, and he tries to use it for his gain and not for God's glory. You ever see that in the world today? I mean, I'm, I've probably been guilty of it. I probably posted a pretty picture of myself with a verse that I pulled out of something that had nothing to do with me on a hill in Africa. But pay attention to that. We have to stop abusing and manipulating Scripture for our own gain. And let's read the last few verses here. Jesus answered him, It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. Uh, Jesus vocally tells Satan to back off. Have you guys ever done that? I think maybe we should start doing that. Uh, I used to run with, where's Whitney at? Whitney Rissy. Whitney, you remember this story? Whitney trained uh, for a full marathon with me once, and it was pretty hard. Uh, running 16, 17 miles is hard work. And uh, the joy of running is that you, especially when you run with people, is you can encourage each other, lift them up. So at one point, Whitney was struggling pretty bad. Um, <laughs> every time. We, it's all a struggle. That's part of, the, part of the joy. But on this particular day, she was really struggling. And I just told her, I said, hey, just do like Jesus. Say, away from me, Satan. And she just at first kind of said it, and then she said it a little louder, and then she was yelling. She was yelling, away from me, Satan, away from me, Satan. Because honestly, 
doubt and discouragement were taking over her mind and her heart. So do what Jesus did. If you guys are having a, a tough time, if you're facing a temptation, if you can't beat a demon in your life, just out loud say, away from me, Satan. Try it. It worked for Jesus. What's it going to hurt? So Satan sh shows all these things to Jesus, right? Shows him the whole world. And Satan has power in our world. You guys need to understand that. And he shows him all these pleasures of the world. And he offers it all to Jesus and said, hey, it's all yours. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. And Jesus, after not eating for 40 days, in a desert, thirsty, he says, no. No, Satan, get away from me. And he reminds Satan, who Satan is supposed to even worship, God. Uh, short and sweet. I don't have a lot of time left up here. Um, but I want to plead with you guys to consider what Jesus teaches us. In my own personal life, I've faced many temptations, especially when I was your age, college, college age. Um, and often I've given into that temptation, whether it was drugs or alcohol, unhealthy relationships, Netflix, Mario Run, Whatever it is that distracts you from God, okay? And it may feel great in the moment, but it always, always ends in disappointment and leaving you unfulfilled. But listen to this. The only true and lasting joy that I have ever experienced in my life was the day that the Spirit of God moved into my heart. 14 years ago. The only true, lasting joy in my life was the day the Spirit of God moved into my heart. And the Spirit of God is still doing that today. Um, just last night, I received a phone call from a college student. The student has just really had some struggles over the past six months. But God has been working through his Spirit in her life in some really amazing, powerful, strange ways. And I want to share with you, um, I want to share with you what she wrote. i got to find it now. <laughs> Technology. Hey, does the internet not ever work here, or what's the deal? Hey, is my phone sitting over there? Brad Myers, watch this, guys. I don't want to walk down because you know what happens. The thing will get really loud. <coughs> oh, my ears. Yeah. That, oh, really? He just said, I know we're at you and I, but he just said to me, Iowa is doing great. <coughs> Sports. You know what movie we're voting for in the Twitter poll? Miracle. Toy Story. <laughs> Toy Story. Also a classic. All right, hang with me, friends. Here we go. Okay, watch this. By the time we got home Wednesday night after chaos, chaos is our junior high ministry. Uh, happens on Wednesday nights over at Nazareth. Yeah, I got a lot of you college students. It's one of our great serving grounds. 
uh, this student serves at Chaos. But <clears throat> by the time we got home Wednesday night, so this was last night after Chaos, I was on this high. I felt so full and absorbed in the Holy Spirit. It was crazy. I'd never experienced anything like this. I was in a thousand different emotions because I was scared and happy and giddy and sad and confused and everything in between. The, this feeling is indescribable. But I wanted to go tell everyone how great God is. And I wanted people to know that he wins. God won me back, and it has finally fully set in and hit my heart that God is bigger and better than anything I could have ever imagined. He is a good, good father, and he knows what he is doing with each and every one of us. He spoke directly to me, and he called me, his own daughter, home. I'm beyond excited to be baptized and publicly declare my life is being lived for Jesus, and that's what I want. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That, my friends, is the power of the Spirit of God. Some of you are facing your own temptations right now. Some of you are in a desert. More than ever, we need to invite the Spirit of God to move in our lives, to lead us, to give us self-control, to give us the courage to say, away from me, Satan, and to remind us who is worthy of our worship. So spirit, move, please. Amen. I'm going to invite the band to come up. And then we're going to spend a couple of minutes reflecting, okay? So often in, especially in this time in the world, we go from one thing to the next thing. And we don't take a minute to think about what happened and let it change us, reflect on it. So I want you to take the next couple of minutes and sit back. Maybe close your eyes, take a few deep breaths. I want you to think about Jesus in the desert, what it might be like to go 40 days without food or drink, what it might be like to be tempted. Some of you have your own specific temptations in your life right now that you're struggling with. And, and just like that story I read, you got to know God wins. God wins. And we know that because Jesus died and he rose from the dead. And he promised his spirit would come. So some of you, maybe for the first time, you need to invite the spirit of God into your heart. If that's you, do it. It'll change your life. You want to experience that high that high feeling that never goes away, that joy that can't be taken from you, say yes. If you're struggling with a specific thing, ask the Spirit to help you. Ask the Spirit to give you a way out. Open your Bible. Read it. Meditate on it. Live in it. Ask a friend to walk with you and pray with you and invite the Spirit 
to hold you accountable in that way. Whatever it is, you know, and more importantly, God knows. Let's take the next couple of minutes and let's think about the Spirit of God moving in our lives. Father, thank you so much that you have given us the Holy Spirit. Thank you that before the world began, you had a plan. You knew each and every one of us before we were born. You had a plan to save us. You had a plan to care for us. You had a plan for us to live this life in this hard world with joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control through your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for dying for me and for every single person in this room. And thank you for conquering death. We love you. We need you. Amen.